I've always really felt that like we literally can change the world if we can just change just that small population of foster kids and if we can focus on them making sure that they're successful and being stable and breaking the cycle then just that little bit right there can change the world. This is the Foster Movement Podcast, helping you work with others to provide more than enough for kids and families in foster care where you live. Here are your hosts, Jason Weber and Diego Fuller. Hey, this is Jason Weber. Welcome to the Foster Movement Podcast. I'm here with Diego Fuller. Hey, Diego. How you doing, Mr. Jason? It's good to see you today. Good to see you today, too. Yes, sir. So, Diego, you and I both have kids. Right. Yes, sir. And you're at our house right now, and you see our bookshelf, and it's full of children's books. Full of books. Full of books. (laughs) One series of children's books uh, we particularly love has this book in it called If You Give a Pig a Pancake. Have you heard of this book? I've never heard of it. Okay. All right. So (laughs) what's great about this book is uh, it starts out and says, if you give a pig a pancake, Mm -hmm. she'll probably want some syrup to go with it. Right. When she eats the pancake, she'll get it all sticky, so she'll need a bath. In the bath, she'll want a toy, so you give her a rubber ducky. The ducky reminds her of... You get the picture. I get the picture. It keeps going. Yeah, this this pig (laughs) keeps wanting stuff. And so it goes through the whole thing and it gets to the end. And and at the end, it comes back around. So this pig experiences uh, something that gets the pig all sticky. And it reminds the pig of the syrup. And so when the pig gets sticky and gets reminded of the syrup, the pig says, you know, the pig wants a pancake. Wants a pancake. Yeah. So it's like a whole big cycle. You're it's saying. a big cycle. Okay. Right, right, okay. Right, I right. get it. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that's really fun in this instance. Right. Right. However, you know what we're going to be talking about today um, are cycles that are not good. Mm-hmm. The cycles that uh, kids in foster care experience. Right. You know, as we've been doing these interviews, uh, it's amazing to me how many of these young adults have parents that send the foster care that grew that was, up in foster care right, exactly wow and so uh we have uh, today a couple of guests mm-hmm. uh that experienced foster care and both of them came out of their foster care experience committed to breaking that cycle right so we're going to introduce you to jimmy cisneros and jacob mendez so I got a chance to sit down with both Jimmy and Jacob, and we're going to get a chance to listen to that interview right now. I'm here in San Antonio, Texas with Jimmy Cisneros. Hey, Jimmy, how's it going? It's going good, man. Thanks for having me. Well, Jimmy, tell us a little bit about what life was like for you uh, as, as a kid before entering into foster care. Um, well, I just remember it being just me and my mom um, in an apartment and just just a regular kid, you know, go to school, um, lived in a small town. So I was able to walk to school um, just just, a, you know, normal old kid. Uh, but it was just me and my mom and uh, my older brother and sister. They'd like come and go. OK. And you went into foster care at age eight. Do you remember when that happened? Uh-huh. Um, I remember the day like we were in school and and like someone just came and picked us up. It was me and uh, one of my older brothers, and um, they just uh, 
like we drove in the car and and I think we stopped by um, my apartment to get some clothes and then they just took us to another town and just said they that they were taking um, us away from our mom for a little bit. Did they explain to you why? Did you know why? No, 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 I didn't know why. Mm-mm. So you went to school, and as far as you were concerned, there was nothing wrong or nothing was happening to you that you felt was abnormal. Well, um, I mean, she would spank me uh, whenever she would, like, drink and stuff. And it would be over, like, petty stuff now that I, if I look back at it, you know, like if I wasn't able to move the furniture because I wasn't strong enough or something, then she would get upset and, like, just get mad. Yeah. Yeah. But at that time, it didn't feel like anything was right. that abnormal. Right. And um, and they came in and you went into foster care. And do you remember your first foster home and what that was like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I remember they had one uh, one kid of their own already. Um, it was kind of like out in the country. And, and I remember one time we went to go see... Um, like her mom's place or something like that but it was like a ranch and they had cows and stuff and and i really remember it because it's like the first time that i got shocked by one of those um electric fences <laughs> those will get you man yeah and so that, and so that's <laughs> definitely like ingrained in my memory did you stay in that foster home for a long period of time no it's really only i'm sure it wasn't no more than six months eight months it wasn't more than a year for sure because by by the time uh, I turned nine, then I was back with my mom. Did you return to foster care later on then? Yes, I would, uh, because my mom would, would pass away at 10, whenever I was 10. So then I went to go live with an aunt, um, and then I stayed with my sister for a little bit, and then I would go on uh, to live at this other foster home. Um, and then I would go back to my sister's, and I finally ended up at uh, Boysville. Okay. And so Boysville was a, a group home? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So describe that environment. What was that environment like to grow up with that many uh, kids in one place? Sometimes it was cool. Sometimes it was not cool. Um, you know, because, like, you always had someone to talk to. Uh, probably more than likely always, you know, had, like, a friend. You know, like, you would develop, like, a best friend there. Uh, but then sometimes at the opposite end, you know, you'd get in fights with, with other guys. Uh, at any point during your time in foster care, was adoption ever brought up to you or by no. you? No. No. No, no, because uh, I was too old at that point, probably. So you did you even think about it? No. Um, no, not really. And then you aged out of foster care, Correct. Right. Well, I was able to go into their extended care uh, program. Okay. Now explain that. Um, So after you graduate, they had these apartments that you could go down there and live by yourself. Um, If uh, you'd have to be going to school or working, um, and they would just make you pay uh, rent, but then they would be saving that money for you for whenever you left. But you would. have your own groceries, make your own meal, you know, everything to be self-sufficient. Yeah. So uh, a lot of kids uh, coming out of foster care want to 
go to college and just a very few percentage. I mean, the majority want to go and just a few percent actually end up getting to go to college. Um, what do you think were the key factors in you being able to go to college? I'm a real basketball fan, football fan, just sports and just being competitive. And at that time, Michael Jordan was really, you know, the basketball, you know, he's the greatest of all, even better than LeBron. <laughs> And so I think it was a combination of like seeing Michael Jordan, knowing his story and, you know, he got cut from his high school basketball team. And like he still just he wouldn't quit no matter what. Um, Once my mom died, like I think I grasped that in order to get out of the life that my mom sort of had and not that it was her fault or anything, but. Um, it's you always hear the term breaking the cycle, you know, and so I learned uh, not that long ago that my mom was also in foster care and that her parents were also in foster care. And so I knew like somewhere within me that I had to break the cycle that I felt like my family was a part of because I didn't want my family whenever I grew up to still be a part of that cycle. And so I just always knew that school really was uh, an important factor in being able to be successful. Tell us a little bit about what you do now. Uh, well, I'm an accountant, and so and so I work at a um, an organization, being a staff accountant. Um, and then on the side, uh, I also uh, am involved with the Three Project, and then um, and then I also just help coach this just little youth basketball uh, team that I'm really excited about being able to do that because my actual uh, job that I wanted to be, my dream job was to be a coach, you know, whether in the professional level or uh, high school. But the thing that happened with high school is that uh, I was going to be a math teacher and I learned that you have to learn about the history of math. And so that's why I turned to accounting. (laughs) <laughs> because I did not want to learn about the history of math. So, and so just for all those, you know. I feel you on that, man. I mean, learning numbers is one thing, but learning about the history of yeah. numbers, that's another deal. Right. Uh, and so that's really, you know, I'm really excited about that just to be able to kind of still do my dream job. So, Diego, I'm definitely feeling Jimmy on that one, uh, history of numbers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No. Nobody want to learn about the history of numbers. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what was interesting about that interview is uh, when I went over to talk to Jimmy, uh, his friend Jacob was actually there mm-hmm. uh, at his apartment. And he and Jacob grew up in the group home together. Wow. So in the middle of the interview, I actually asked Jacob if he wanted to jump in and join us, and he graciously uh, was willing to do that. And so that's what we're going to hear now. And I start off by asking them uh, how long they were in the group home together. So let's go back to that. So about four years we knew each other. Four years you were there yeah, together. We're in the house yeah. together. And now you're still still brothers? Yeah, still we friends still, yeah, we still uh-huh. hang out and, you know, link up. Awesome. I still whoop them on that FIFA and <laughs> NBA 2K. <laughs> All the video games, pretty much. So, Jacob, let's uh, get to know you just a little bit. Um, you uh, came into foster care at what age? I entered the system at five, at five years old. Okay. 
And did you age out as well? I aged out at uh, 18. Okay. And um, I'd love for you guys to share a little bit about the environment in a group home setting for both of you and um, just what that was like. Well, I was I was there for I was there for about a good you know ten years, so I experienced a lot of it. And you know, you got twelve different kids you're with, so you know you got a bunch of different personalities. Uh, you know, but I mean, it's fun. A lot of the kids they come from different backgrounds and you know different stories, so you get to meet a lot of different you know kids with different stories, not like yours, but you know, of course, everybody got a different story. But uh, I think it was very, it was very fun, especially you know going to school. You know, it'd be like, hey, you know, these are my eleven brothers. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then everybody uh. would be like, wow, you got eleven <laughs> brothers. You know, I'm like, well, yeah, these are my foster brothers. But yeah, there's strength in numbers. Of us. Right. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So, if you'd had a choice between being in a in a in a single foster home with maybe a couple of siblings or being where you were placed now jimmy you experienced both um would there have been a preference do you think i honestly i liked um i liked them both honestly because in foster care system it depends on the parents because when i first went to foster care system because i used i mean i went to boys when I, I i went to i got ended up leaving boys when i went to the foster care system uh the foster care system the first parents I had, they weren't so great. Um, I just felt like they're in it for the wrong reasons. So I asked my case manager if she can remove me and put me in a better home. And the second home, she was definitely more welcoming. And, you know, just as long as you act right, you know, I'll give you your freedom. You can, you know, be a child. And I and I love that. But boys who I loved as well, the group home was good from at a young age, from 5 to 15. But I think once you hit those teenage years from 15 to 18, 18, I think they should allow you to go out more and be more of a kid like those other kids at high school because sometimes when I went to high school and I hear other kids talking about, oh, I did this after school and I got to do this after school. And for me, I felt like I was in, like, not necessarily a prison, but I had the same schedule. You couldn't leave, you know, Boysville. You're, you know, you're there. You don't get mm-hmm. to go out and hang out with friends and stuff like that. So That makes sense. So what was the transition out? Uh, like for you? Oh, when I turned eighteen, it, it was it was rough and it was it was pretty scary. But you know, I had I had the I had the thing like Jimmy said. You know, uh, I want to break the cycle. I don't want to be another statistic. And you know, I just wanted to do better for myself. And uh, I ended up getting married at twenty. And my wife, you know, she helped me to be a better person and 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 show me what hard work is. And from there on, I just never look back and just stay working and you know create create uh, dreams and goals and try to fulfill them you know instead of just living everyday life like oh what's tomorrow what's tomorrow you know you got to have a plan for tomorrow so if you can share a little bit about what it means to you uh to have a jimmy around still uh and jimmy you know what it means to have a jacob uh in your life that you know, some sense of consistency uh, in an otherwise kind of up and down um, life. What 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 has that been like for you, each of you? Well, for me, to, I mean, see Jimmy, you know, being successful and graduating school and you know doing his thing, and it, it makes me it makes me proud to to see him, you know, come come a long way to from where he came from. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, um, some of these statistics say we're going to be 
dead or in jail, um, you know, just to be that third t- statistic is something. And, um, and I think always, like, whenever I've envisioned, you know, getting older, you know, like I, I've always wanted someone that I can sit with on the porch, have a beer and talk about 30 years ago, you know, and so, and so I think that that's also what this, you know, relationship is, is that, you know, although, you know, my brothers and my sister is gone and I don't have someone, uh, immediate family like that, you know, well, I mean, I have my cousins, you know, I have my other family members, but like someone that was like in the grit with me, you know, like I still have that and I still, in the future, I'm still going to have that to be able to talk about, you know, like you said, the good old times and just how we've done it, you know, like we've, we've made it. And then, you know, me and Jacob always also talk about how we want to help others. I've always really felt that like we literally can change the world if we can just change just that small population of foster kids. And if we can focus on them, making sure that they're successful and being stable and breaking the cycle, then just that little bit right there can change the world. Well, guys, it's awesome to listen to you uh, talk about uh, your experience and what uh, has happened in your life, what you've been able to accomplish, and to hear you talking about breaking the cycle together uh, as brothers, as friends. Um, and I can't wait to hear 30 years from now, you guys sitting on the porch talking about <laughs> right. um being able to do that and talking about that with your kids and grandkids. That's pretty awesome. Thank you guys. Thanks. Thank you. So Diego, as you listen to that interview, what stands out to you? You know, one, one thing that stands out to me uh, is when Jimmy was talking about um, Michael Jordan, he took the Michael Jordan story on how Michael Jordan basically got cut from his high school basketball team, but he still kept fighting. And, you know, and, you know, and Jordan mm-hmm. made it to the NBA, you know, so um, he took that as like, man, even though Jordan got cut, you know, I, I'm going to get cut in life. I might go through some pain, some hurt, you know, but I'm not going to stop fighting. I'm going to keep fighting with everything I got. And so the way he used the Michael Jordan story to inspire and encourage himself to keep fighting and to get that degree so he can be a, a, a accountant. Uh, man, I think that's that's awesome, and I think that's something that um, other kids can look to, and you know, and build from that too. You know, and even with Jacob, you know, he said he wanted to break the cycle of being a failure, and so I think both of these young men mm-hmm. are heading in the heading in the right direction, and um, just the fact that they're with each other, um, building each other up. Man, I just thought this was a powerful interview. And so, um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, you know, both of those guys are obviously fighters. Right. And they both committed themselves. Um, mm-hmm. We're breaking this cycle. It ends wow. with us. Wow, that's good. Um, and so when we think about foster care and all of the kids that age out of the foster care system every year and the impact uh, on them uh, for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. um, foster care is linked to so many other issues that we face in society, whether right. it's incarceration, uh, trafficking, oh, yeah. homelessness, yeah. mental illness, mm. all of these things can be linked back in so many cases That's right. to experiences that kids have in yeah. foster care. That's right. Now, we're going to talk to uh, Jed Medifend, who is the president of the Christian Alliance for Orphans. And he is going to join us and talk about that link, uh, how so many things that we face in society 
are linked to foster care and just what Jimmy said, mm. that if we can address foster care, yeah. we can change the world. So let's talk to Jed about that. Hello, Jed. Thanks so much for jumping on the line with us today. Hey, my pleasure, Jason. So we've, we're talking about the intersection between foster care and so many other issues that we deal with in in our society, homelessness, incarceration, child trafficking. And you've had a unique vantage point uh, on that very intersection, both in the U.S. and around the world. Can you share a little bit about uh, some of how you've seen that play out? Yeah, it is really true, as you were alluding to, that if you look at many of the deepest, most difficult challenges today, whether we're talking about something like an incarceration or unemployment or homelessness or human trafficking, very often you can follow a thread back and it leads to the idea of a child growing up outside of a permanent loving family, whether that's an orphan overseas or children in the foster care in the U.S. And, and the data really bears this out. And so, you know, when, when you say if we want to address those issues, as important as, as it is to address them directly, helping people who are suffering and struggling with those things today, um, if we want to address those issues for tomorrow, one of the primary places we can focus our attention uh, would be with foster youth. A while back, you wrote a book called Becoming Home, and in there, you uh, there's some great statistics uh, about what happens to kids who age out of foster care, and I think it paints a great picture of where some of these intersections take place. Can you share a little bit about that research? Absolutely. All of this data suggests that that children who grow up in foster care, and particularly those who age out without being uh, adopted or brought into a permanent family, really are not doing well. Um, by their mid-20s, less than half are employed. Um, you also have about close to 70% of the women on food stamps versus just 7% in the population of women overall. And then looking at the men, you see somewhat similar numbers, about 64% of the men have been incarcerated at some point versus 9% of the general population. Um, you also look at something like human trafficking, and, and the head of Florida's Human Trafficking Task Force estimates that about 75% of child victims of trafficking uh, are coming out of foster care. Talk a little bit about why there is a particular vulnerability uh, to trafficking among young people who've come out of foster care. Yeah, we, we believe that God designed the family as a place of nurture and protection of young lives. And so when that protection is removed, whether that's uh, because parents die or simply because they, they are unable or perhaps unwilling to care for their children, um, those kids really make the, the, the perfect victim for trafficking. And so that's why we see the statistics that we do in the U.S. in terms of um, what I just mentioned. Or, you know, there was actually a raid in, I think it was 2013, by the FBI on human trafficking rings. And in, in that raid, about 60% of the child victims of, of trafficking were former foster youth. So that number ranges somewhere from you know 60 to, in some studies, 90%. Hmm. Those are uh, really sobering um, statistics. I know that uh, one leader has talked about uh, just trying to figure out how can the church engage uh, in the most pressing issues of our communities. And I know this person had gone to a lot of different folks and began asking, where can we make a 
the biggest difference in our community. And whether the issue came up was homelessness, whether it was trafficking, whether uh, it was incarceration, one of the things he quickly determined is that that it all led back to foster care. And that if, as a leader in the community, in the church, if he and others in his church community and other churches as well would focus on foster care, they could address so many of these other issues. Can you talk about the the power of the church stepping into that space? Yeah, yeah. Well, and what I would add to your friend's observation, I, I think it's correct, but I would also note, you know, that at the root, what what we're seeing is it's a it's a brokenness of families, a breakdown of healthy families that really is the deepest root of this. Now, that is something that I, I really do believe that, that the church is uniquely uh, equipped and designed to address as well. You know, working with struggling families, working with parents that are on the verge of divorce, working with uh, a mother, a single mother who's who's struggling with a Addiction, but really wants to be a good mother, and so I think that family breakdown is the is the root of, most root of all issues. In particular, what the church can provide that government never can provide is rooted in relationship. You know, government I think has a vital role to play in terms of protecting children from harm. It has a a God given role in the working of justice, but ultimately, what children need to thrive is love and nurture and relationship. And so, those are things that, you know, ultimately government simply cannot provide, and those are things that can be provided by communities of loving families, loving individuals that will step into these kids' lives as foster parents, as adoptive parents, as mentors, and, um, and, and that's, where, that's why we cannot outsource James 127 to government. The church has a vital and truly indispensable role to play in that. Jimmy shared with us in our interview with him that he really believes that if we focus on this issue of foster care, that we can change the world. Tell us a little bit about your vision for, for that and what, where you see the church fitting in uh, to, to that kind of vision. Yeah. Well, you know, if you just think about what, what Jimmy said there, and you think about if, if every one of the children um, who are in foster care right now were to Instead of very often, you know, bouncing from home to home, social worker to social worker, um, knowing very little stability, often very little love, um, if instead every one of those children experienced a sense of love and nurture and belonging in some way, whether that is through a long-term foster situation that ultimately returned to their biological family, whether that's uh, being adopted into a permanent new family, whether it's just having a mentor who actually stayed in relationship with them as they went from one foster home to another, if it, th- that if they experienced that, I think that would profoundly change the statistics that we talked about earlier in terms of the homelessness and unemployment and public assistance and incarceration. And and so in that, Jimmy's right. If if we were able to make a significant difference in the lives of those, uh, you know, 400 and some thousand children in the U.S. foster system, that would ripple out into every institution and uh, every situation that we have in society today. Wow, well, that kind of just said it all, didn't it, Diego? Oh, man, it was that was good. Well, uh, you know, we want to thank our guests, 
Jimmy Cisneros, Jacob Mendez, and Jed Medefend. Uh, and we want to thank all of you for joining us. We want to hear from you. Come find us on Facebook at the Foster Movement Podcast page. And uh, we're going to do something different for our big, important question this yes, week, sir. our big IQ. So, Jason, what is the big, important question? Well, you know, sometimes these big, important questions, they're real serious, right? right they right. have been, but we thought we'd break it up a little bit. Okay. And so at the beginning of this uh, episode, we talked about when you give a pig a pancake. Uh-huh. So we thought it'd be fun to try our own right, right okay so we're gonna we're gonna start it out and uh, I'm gonna say something Diego's gonna do the next one we're gonna put both of those up on Facebook you come and add uh, what you have to add and be a part of the conversation uh, so Diego yes sir if you give a chicken a microphone <laughs> he's gonna want to sing <laughs> <laughs> all right and if you let him sing, that's dot, for them to find that's out. That's right. Dot, dot, dot. So all of you out there listening, join us on our Foster Movement podcast page and add your sentence to this. We're going to see how long we can keep this going. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, to get today's show notes, just go to fostermovementpodcast.org. Hey, thanks for all you do to speak up for kids and families in foster care. We're here to help you do that until there's more than enough. Have a blessed day. This has been the Foster Movement Podcast. Join Jason Weber and Diego Fuller next time as they and their guests help you work with others to provide more than enough for kids and families in foster care where you live. Hey, this is Jason and Diego again. Yes, and we're still here because there's a couple of things that we want you guys to know. That's right. First of all, be sure to download the free PDF we created, especially for listeners of this podcast. It's called Key Things Former Foster Youth Want You to Understand About Caring for Current Foster Youth. This thing is beautiful and full of wisdom and insight from those who've been there. And I'm telling you, you need to print these babies out and give them to foster parents and applicants you work with because these things are amazing. Just go to morethanenoughtogether.org backslash free download. That's morethanenoughtogether.org backslash free download. Also, as you know, the Foster Movement Podcast is a limited series of just 18 episodes. But listen, it's okay. Don't be sad. Here's why. Because there's more where that came from. Tell them, Jay. That's right. More Than Enough has produced a whole family of podcasts, one of which is called the More Than Enough Podcast. So to learn more, go to morethanenoughtogether.org and click on the podcast link at the top of the homepage, and they are all there. Hey, and one last thing. Thank you for listening. It's a privilege to be a part of your journey. Our team is here to help you work with others in your community to provide for children and families before, during, and beyond foster care until there's more than enough.